This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us here in the Weather Lounge. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and our latest podcast comes to you from our Weatherworks headquarters located in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And joining me on the podcast, as always, is my fellow meteorologist and co-host, Mike Mahalik. Hey there, Mike. Hey, Brad. How's it going today? Uh, not too bad. You know, we got some uh, sunshine. We're into the, the warmth of spring, finally. <laughs> yes, yes. Very nice. It was a bit cool a few weeks ago, though, um, which was quite surprising. Um, but speaking of cooler weather we should get more into the winter side of things again um, we never leave winter do we <laughs> <laughs> no we don't no we don't but um today we have a return guest brad the ceo of Sima martin Torado, here with us and Sima stands for the snow and ice management association they provide education for the snow and ice industry um all across the country so Really great to have Martin on the show today. Yeah, we're excited to have him back uh, on our podcast as uh, Simon prepares for its yearly symposium. This year it's in Hartford, Connecticut. It'll be uh, in June, so we'll definitely be talking about that. But before we get to the start of the podcast, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back with Martin Toronto. Don't go away. Hey, everybody. Well, how many times have you been burned by a weather forecast? Well, probably a few, and it might have cost your business thousands. WeatherWorks is different. We have over 30 meteorologists to give you forecasts, notifications, and weather advice 24-7. Now, that could certainly help when it comes down to making those crucial decisions, but there are even more products than that in which WeatherWorks offers, from weather data to historical reports. Call us at 908-850-8600 or visit us on the web at weatherworksinc.com. And oh, don't forget, when you think weather, think WeatherWorks. Well, welcome back to the show, everyone. And again, we have a return guest on the Weather Lounge, and that is the CEO of Sima, Martin Torado. Martin, thank you for coming on the show today. Hey, Mike, Brad, thanks for having me again. Glad to be back. And um, like you mentioned, maybe, love it or hate it, we think snow year round, <laughs> uh, you know, 365 days a year. So like it or not, I'm, I'm here to talk snow with you guys. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's uh, give a background for those listening out there. Again, um, if they don't know what SIMA is, they don't know what it does for uh, snowplow contractors, uh, let them know. Oh, yeah. So, right. We're, you know, it's really training resources, education for professionals in the snow and ice industry. And we primarily focus really on the private sector, the you know, the parking lots, some um, shipping, manufacturing, any type of a uh, paved, you know, paved silly sidewalks and homeowner associations, you know, even even personal residences for you know, driveways and walkways. So, you know, we, we represent the companies and the people that work for them to really uh, provide the, you know, that education, training, those resources, advocacy, kind of a, kind of a, all of the above, you know, to be kind of a, you know, a broad umbrella. And you know, we have members really, you know, it's a membership based organization in the United States and Canada, um, you know, probably anywhere there's, where there's snow and ice events, of course, but uh, we, we try to, you know, to fill in in a variety of different ways where we can really be that resource for people who really just that really take snow and ice as a business seriously and that want to get better and also be profitable and, and run a, a profitable business and a profitable company. And to, uh, and of course, you know, the, the you know, the benefits of snow and ice service is really like is the service to the community. 
you're providing access to, you know, transportation, you know, whether that be, you know, vehicular trucking to pedestrian, people walking, transportation in, in people's local communities. So, yeah. Um, we're leading up to the Sima Snow and Ice Symposium, and I think this is the 26th year. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Your company's been there from the start, so I, it's, uh, it's always it good. I was to going to say, I think we were there for at, at least the 25 of those 26 years, and maybe. I don't know. We might have been there all 26. I'm not sure. Um, that's a question for uh, Frank Lombardo, our uh, CEO here at Weatherworks. But um, Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, what's coming up for this for this year's show? I mean, yeah. let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah, it's all right. Um, you know, Brad had mentioned to earlier. It's Hartford, Connecticut, uh, June thirteenth to the sixteenth. Um, you know, Hartford's in a great area where there's a, a, the New England states uh, again. Parts of New England had a, a good average, or even some above average, and some had below average. But I think it's a an area that's that's used to four seasons and having you know weather events. So we're kind of right in the heart of where there's a lot of snow and ice work being performed and. Um, and yeah, you know, we, it's our flagship event. It really is kind of the must-attend event for professionals in snow and ice. Um, the trade show floor is is sold out over 120 vendors, and you know, really, what that kind of people enjoy about that is just some of the seeing um, relationships and businesses that they've had for a long time, as well as seeing what new products and and materials are out there. And we take a look at you know what is a trade show. Really, what it is, it's a marketplace. It's a it's a way that people can. You know, in, in an age where we have fewer, I would say, in-person interactions than we probably have in a long time, um, having that in-person interaction and developing those those business-to-business relationships where where products can be bought and sold, so that we, you know, we can, you know, our members can perform snow and ice services is 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 hugely important. Always, you know, highly valued. And then, of course, you know, this the three days of education. Uh, you know, we have two great keynote speakers. Um, our opening keynote speaker, this Derek Daly, he's going to be awesome. He just brings it; he's going to bring a ton of energy and really kind of blow, up, you know, blow up and start the start the event in a great way, where you you just kind of change your your mindset and get you thinking. And it's always good, um, you know, as a believer in lifelong education, that to kind of really learn the best, you have to kind of get out of your day to day. You have to attend conferences and events and kind of just kind of clear your head meet new people, learn new things. And, and that's really what the symposium brings. It's, it's uh, that those full days of education. And once you kind of go to these educational sessions and keynote speakers, you, you meet people at receptions and you go out for dinner with them and you, you develop new relationships. And we had, there's stories over the, over the years here now where people have done, they've exchanged over a million dollars of business just, just by attending, just by meeting other people and being like, oh, hey, you know, I've got some, just think of things like, I've got some accounts that are kind of in your area, but we're not great at servicing them. That might be better fit for you, and then vice versa. Um, particularly, we you know just so many members that you know when you start are, have more of a regional footprint, if not larger, and you know they're looking for uh, uh, partners. You know, there's snow contractors that could be uh, partners and referral me- uh, referral mechanisms for, you know, for highly valued customers that are really looking for professionals in snow and ice to perform, you know, winter services. So 
Yeah, I, I tell you, I had, the, I had the privilege of going last year, Martin, and I met you finally for the first time in person. It was in Milwaukee, and I know Mike's been to Simon a few times. I mean, and just to, to actually put a face with the people that I talk to, you know, throughout the year, whether it's a couple of times, you know, or just once. But, you know, it's nice to meet people, like you said, and there's so much going on. I never realized how big it was, and it was just – it was like everything was – there that you could possibly think of that would even have a, an affiliation with any kind of uh, snow and ice management or any kind of snow removal, things like that. It's just, uh, it's incredible. Yeah. Though anything that's like a product or serving, we have you know, some, some robotics companies have kind of, that have gotten into this, which has been really interesting to see how that develops. I mean, that changes every year. That's like a completely new thing. Software, software companies or something else that continues to change and evolve and, and even though the even the equipment, the you know, equipment providers are looking for ways of how can you help people, you know, quicker, easier, um, you know, lighter as, you know, again, equipment being lighter is so but still just as effective based on, you know, a, you know equipment changes and trucks and, and sizes and stuff. So it's really kind of all that, but that's Brad. That's refreshing to hear. Always, and he yeah. In. I mean, it's you know, I just, I just never believed the, the size and the capture of what Simon really is. And and now you said, I mean, it's sold out, obviously, and only a couple of weeks away. But that's a lot of vendors too. I mean, yeah. And from from Brad's perspective, to kind of build upon that with meeting people and get a face to a name and that sort of thing, I really enjoy that part of it, building that relationship with a client that you've talked to a million times on the phone, but you never actually saw them. You never actually hung out at a, had a drink at the bar or something, or, or went out to dinner and, and, and just kind of talked and just not about, not always about business things, but, you know, just talking person to person. It's really great. And I think a lot of our clients do appreciate that, that we have that presence year after year and they see whether it works. It's almost maybe a level of comfort seeing uh, somebody that they kind of know. And it's, it's always a good time. I always enjoy the show. And you're also right from just about anything you can find at the Sima show. Uh, I remember there's a guy that was selling snow stakes or he had, yeah. he had that going on. And then you have all the way up to software and large equipment. And uh, it's amazing the amount of things that are there to help assist snow and ice contractors to be successful. Exactly. And on the attendee side, we're certainly expecting over a thousand uh, contractors. We get oh, 2000 total attendees of all exhibitor personnel, but certainly the, you know, the people that actually perform the work, we're expecting over a thousand of those in attendance, either for the full conference or just And, the and I was going to say, not to cut you off, another thing that was really amazing to me was, was the heavy equipment that they got into these places. I mean, on the, uh, in the, uh, in the conference hall. And I mean, it's like, you know, you can't believe that they even could get these things in there, but sure enough, I mean, you know, the, the, the large snow removers and the, you know, the things that you would see in a, like an airport or something like that, they're right there on the, on the floor. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's fun to see when being behind the scenes of this in several years, what the show floor looks like before people move in, what it sets up as, and then, uh, what it looks like after what do they call that in videos like a time release or time yeah, time lapse yeah time lapse right that's yeah. it yeah. there you go there's a there's a good piece of content for your uh, social media channels uh, yeah yeah we did it we did it once it was pretty cool yeah yeah so with the show coming up 
I think you might have hit on this a little bit, but what what are the main goals here for Saima? Is it is it mostly the education and training is what we're looking for um, out of it? Yeah, you know, you know, our mission kind of is to, uh, you know, or the vision really is to have um, standards so, so that all professionals adhere to the highest industry standards. So some of the things we've kind of been working on in the meantime is um, we've, we've just started the process of developing a, a safety standard for a training for a training program for a company. And that's going to be um, uh, worked through ANSI, the American National Standards Institute. So it's going to have an accreditation kind of behind it that shows that the standard was developed with, um, I guess, you know, leading principles and processes. So we're just at the beginning stages of that. And we hope to have something kind of in, produced by the end of this year. Um, we're also, uh, our advanced snow manager, which is a virtual training program. Uh, we're completely, uh, updating the curriculum. It's been five years, maybe even a little bit longer. And that we're kind of on a, a calendar where we think every, every five years or so, you, you kind of need to take a look back at, is this still fit? What have we missed? What's kind of a duplication? And, and so we're in the process now of completely uh, updating that curriculum and, uh, that'll be finalized by September 1st. And it'll also be um, um, in Spanish as well. Uh, prior, it was really only in in English. And uh, having the Spanish language, it's really kind of for people, um, it, it, just the, the, the primary Spanish speakers that are in this industry, um, you know, they're growing. They've kind of always been there. And, you know, we're kind of talking to our members that they usually speak and understand both English and Spanish, but it's all, always going to go back to what's your what's your primary language language if your first you know, default language goes back to well, my, my preferred comfort level is spanish and those that those people in the workforce to train them in snow and ice is you know just a great opportunity to to um you know diversify who's obtaining that advanced manager certificate um training and really what it does it, it provides kind of the core and essential training for people that work in the in the snow and ice field um so those are some of the some of the things that we kind of have upcoming and um, something that we don't talk a lot about, I'll kind of shift a little bit here too, is we do a lot of kind of advocacy behind the scenes, whether that's through research or talking to government and regulatory bodies about um, issues that affect snow and ice contractors. Um, for example, right now we're actually working on in the state of Wisconsin, where, uh, where I'm located on uh, passing a salt applicator bill to replicate what, what currently exists in the state of New Hampshire and that anyone that gets uh, certified and trained as a salt applicator plus some other steps, they get liability protection. And that liability protection is is just is enormous. Is is we all know the the slip and fall um, claim and injury is really kind of the Achilles heel of the industry. And um, there have been cases in in New Hampshire that have had this uh, law for several years now that. Um, that companies have, have not been held liable for slip and fall claims based on having this training and certification. And right now we're working on Wisconsin. And the next step is, is I do think that there's going to be a domino effect. Um, and it's, it's really kind of being driven though, by the environmental side on people concerned about the amount of chlorides, but representing the, the snow and ice contractor, we're looking at how we can continue to do that while also providing liability protection, because that's kind of one of the reasons where over-application of, of salt and chlorides is occurring, is really to kind of continue to protect um, people and protect the company. I guess the environment as well, too, I guess. I mean, it's just because of the runoff. And I mean, there's got to be some kind of effect there, too. 
Yeah, yeah. There's um, a lot of you know lakes, freshwater bodies that have been noticing as they've been monitoring chloride rates that have seen some really high impactful areas, and they've done the research and the tracing, and they they keep coming back to the primary source for it. Oftentimes, is runoff from from salt on parking lots, roads, and it's really kind of hitting some um, um, some lakes in particular that I would say are kind of high tourist areas that have, you know, millions of dollars of economic development and tourism revenue being generated at them that they don't want to see, um, uh, you know, the contamination that can occur in, in these uh, in these lakes. That's important then to have those people trained and, and have those uh, rules in place um, so that we keep the environment, you know, up above a lot of things that can happen. <laughs> so, yeah. so we don't keep impacting that, but still keep people safe on the roads. So having that extra training there um, with the help of you guys, I think is super beneficial. Yeah, Mike, you hit on it right there. there that's the absolute balance there. Um, there really isn't a, a, an immediate replacement that's affordable for salt or rock salt. But it, it provides a necessary, and there's some, Long ago, research it shows that when you, if you just stop using it, the amount of accidents and um, that occur just rapidly escalates. So you need it, but it's uh, it's applying it at the right amounts. And you know, Simon wants about you know, I want us to be on kind of the leading edge of that, so that we have a seat at the table on that, um, and, and that we can do something with it. What we're looking at now, it's really what it's it's. Um, uh, it's a voluntary programs. That's in New Hampshire and Wisconsin is 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 proposing. Wisconsin is voluntary, and I think this is this is the route we need to go before you know federal agencies such as like an EPA decides you know because of uh, pollution we're going to just ban chloride application entirely. And I do think that would would could be potentially disastrous for a lot yeah. of people. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's why it's great that you're already spearheading um, this ahead of time before it gets to that point so that we get some regulations in there. Um, But you talked a lot about this uh, new thing. I know you got new things going on all the time over at SIMA, um, advancing the field further and, and helping to educate would you say this is one of the most exciting things you're working on or, or what is the most exciting improvement that you've seen here, you know, over the last couple of years since we talked to you last, maybe? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, um, what I think is most exciting is kind of those things wrapped into getting, um, I would say younger people, the next generation, I don't know it's millennials or Gen Z types into the uh, working in the industry and, seeing the opportunities that um, are out there uh, of being an entrepreneur and working outside, um, kind of controlling your own um, future, so, so to say. I mean, I do think there's some some forces, I mean, talk about some economic forces happening now on things like um, escalating costs of, of higher education post high school that are looking, having people look in what else is out there that could be an opportunity for people um, to develop a career and and uh, su- family supporting and self supporting jobs. Um, I do think snow is one. Of the, I think it tied in with landscaping as well too. And there's organizations that are working on kind of promoting the landscaping industry as well. And they, they tie together. Most of our members do both. 
our Simon members. And, uh, you know, I do think that there's some younger generations that are looking at like, um, I was just at a peer group last week and the, the owner of one of the companies we were at, there was a Chicago based company was saying like, he's been talking to some people, it's almost like it's cool again for some younger people to, um, you know, I'm not going to be stuck behind a, a you know, a computer a desk all the time. I can work outside. I can kind of, I have, a you know, ultra flexibility, which is really val- valued in people that I would say are early thirties and younger. Um, and really they can, you, and also the, again, the controlling your future and your, you know, uh, you can make it what you want it to be. If you want to be a, being a, the, really kind of the sky's the limit, you know, some of the, the numbers we've looked at is this is a multi-billion dollar industry. If you want, if you're motivated to really grow and do that, you can. If you also just want to develop a nice business where you're supporting your local community, um, that can that can be very successful as well too. So, um, I think that to me that's really exciting. Is how are we getting some of this? Um, I would say the, the upcoming generation kind of in into the industry and getting them trained and um, and you know ready to perform essential services. Um, and hey, you guys are in this from the weather. You know this. It's it, it's going to snow and some of this is going to be an essential service kind of forever. At least as long as I'm around, I can tell you that. So I was uh, going to say climate change, wherever anyone believes in it or wherever side you're on, if there is a side, it's going to snow for a long more, you know, a lot more years and into the next couple of generations. So, I mean, this has to get passed on. Yeah. Snowmageddon hits. People need to prepare for it. It's like... <laughs> You know, building services, you know, exterior services, it's like someone's yeah. going to do that. And if you want to have this entrepreneurial spirit and and mm-hmm. create some opportunities that can, um, uh, you know, develop some wealth for you, too, and some, you know, some job satisfaction. There's a snow and ice, you know, landscaping work. It's there's a there's a there's a lot there to, to uncover and, and get involved in. So, uh, Martin, back to your point about the younger generation getting into those trades a little bit more. I even noticed this a little bit myself, you know, even though, hey, I went to college and, and, and all our meteorologists went to college. We earned that degree. But I think there's a bit of a shift, like you're saying, where there's more interest in those trades because let's face it. We're always going to need carpenters. We're always going to need welders, plumbers, uh, electricians. You know, landscapers, construction workers, it, we need these people. So I, I see no problem at all with those fields. I mean, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a very rewarding field too. Like you said, if you're an op- entrepreneur, to kind of make, build what you want um, in that field. You, you, the sky's the limit. Where do you want to take it? Um, so I, I am really, it's really interesting that you kind of express that same thing that I've been noticing over the last several years. Yeah, no, completely agree with you. So, um, so Brad, I think you had a question coming up that you wanted to ask him. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, we didn't talk about this the last time, Martin, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, the certified snow professional program. And I, I don't know much about this. I, I've, I've seen it on Simon's site. But what exactly is it? I know it's Simon's highest honor. Is that correct? Yeah, it's the highest certification. So, right. I talked about the advanced ASM, the advanced snow manager. And that's really kind of, I would say, for the the workforce, you know, kind of entering the field. Like, you, you know, the essentials. Um, 
And, and they both really tie into this kind of, I do think this training and generational change as well too, but the CSP sort of, I think it's really kind of for, kind of time for like owners, senior managers, um, people kind of more of the management level, but certainly operations managers have as well too. And it really kind of covers the full realm of what um, a snow and ice business um, does. And um, it's you self-study and then um, there is a, a test, so it is a virtually uh, done. You, to, you do have to pass a test and we try not to make people, you know, too intimidating because sometimes people think standardized tests and they, they, you know, they shy away. Some people don't really like that. But uh, you know, so what you do need to demonstrate now to get the, cert the certification, you do need to demonstrate that you um, you, you have the knowledge of what it, what's in the, uh, uh, in the sector to perform the, the business. But we have over 300 people that have the certified snow professional. So I do think it's one of these things where it's, it's not a massive group, um, but I think it really kind of is the the peak pinnacle of the, the highest professional level. Um, you know, there's a there's a book we have too that goes along with it. And I always kind of re reflect that it's um, to me if there was like a textbook again a kind of college or trade school textbook in snow and ice, you should kind of read this this textbook that's you know it's roughly 200 pages and it's. Um, it's 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 called the essentials to managing commercial you know, snow and ice management, and um, and really that kind of takes you through all the steps that that is needed to really run a successful snow and ice company, and um, it's not required, but it's highly recommended that you are are very familiar with that textbook to then pass to the CSP exam. Was there like one author for this book? I mean, or is it just a whole bunch of? just experiences and things that, you know, basically built up over the last, you know, 20, 25 years. Yeah. Good point. Right there. It is going to be a good question. Uh, it was written by kind of our editorial staff here at SIMA, but we used a stakeholder advisory group. Um, we completely revised it a couple of years ago and we had a, a group of, of professionals. There was uh, 12 to 15 of them that met extensively for probably over the course of a year where we kind of asked all the questions of like, should this be in the curriculum? What should it, what should it cover? What should you know about? Well, what should you know about winter weather? What should you know about snow and ice products? What should you know about even, you know, legal and sales and marketing in a snow and ice company and kind of what makes a difference. So um, I would say, what do you call it? It's like um, edited by right. um, the editors and snow and ice managers. That's what I'm like, saying. It adds on. It gets, you know, every year. Yeah, but it was developed really by a, a large group of stakeholders um, of people that work in the work in the field. So, so Martin, you were on with us um, early December 2021. So since then, I mean, you know, um, business has probably been as usual with at least a day to day operation with Sima. But you know, talk to us about how the economy is maybe impacting this. And and you know, we've had a couple of lean snow years here in the Northeast, especially uh, you know the last uh, maybe really two to three winters. So how's that all impacted since we last talked to you? Yeah, the we always said for the economy side is that snow and ice work is is resistant to ups and downs and in a variety of ways. What we aren't resistant to though is the weather impacts for sure. And and yeah, definitely this this past year, um you know, the certain parts of the country, um, you know, mid-Atlantic states, East Coast, lower Midwest, really had some areas of very low snow to even some areas of, of, of no snowfall. But then the counterbalance is there's parts of the country, um, some parts of the West Coast, mountain areas, Minneapolis, 
that had a significantly above average year. And then you have a, these, these few outliers too, like, you know, the Buffalo, New York, which made the news right. as well too. Like uh, that Lake effect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we had a few members there I talked to, and it was like, you know, they had well over their average year, and they did it all in three storms. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of in between. So, you know, one thing I, you know, I, these things, uh, you have to look at the long term, and we always talk about the five year. You have to go look at the five year historical average, and you need to uh, put together your business plans or based on at least a five year weather pattern. And if you're really kind of you know, serious and in this for this business for the long term, you have to plan for these these tough years. And it's not easy. You know, it's it's challenging. Um, particularly I would say on the not only the, the financial side, but also the getting people to do the work um, when they're expecting to have uh be paid for uh readiness to perform snow and ice services. Um it's it's incredibly challenging. But uh, you know, I do think the companies that are in this for you know long term will will come out of this all right. And um, certainly, uh, you know, what's kind of been well, um, you know, educated or discussed over years is really having this balanced portfolio of contracts. And, you know, I, I get it in some areas that's easier said than others. We talk about the per event or per inch um, based on seasonal, or even there's still time and material contracts out there as well that um, it's not always easy, you know, depending on your market. Well, some oftentimes the buyers determine what's most common, but, um, you know, I've talked to people in areas that are really have very few seasonal contracts. Even even they've been able to have these uh, conversations with their customers, properties, and buildings to have at least some percentage of their portfolio as a seasonal contract. And that you know if that prevents the um, the highs and lows of, you know of of winter winter weather and winter storms. You know, we it protects you. But that way, it gives you a little bit of a balance. You're hedged against these really low snow years. Yeah. And I think, I know, you know, obviously if you're a snow and ice contractor, you're, you're not wanting a lean snow year, but at the same time, you have to make the best out of the situation and learn from the experience and what you need to do in the future to protect yourself from these years that are going to happen. I mean, let's face it, there's been a lot of extremes out there lately where you just mentioned the one yourself in Buffalo seeing so much snow in only a few weeks. And, you know, that's where you have to take some learning experience from it and prepare yourself for these extremes when it comes to the, you know, several seasons to come. Yeah, for sure. That's why you you, you take that long-term historical averages and the, you know, properties or places that think that it's just not going to really snow there anymore. They're really going to, they'll be in for a surprise when these weather seasons change and they, and they will, you know, I've been with Simon, I was going on 16 years and I've, uh, there's been boom years and what I guess call it a bust year. I call it more of just a low snow season, but (laughs) again, it depends on where you are. Um, it's, it's happened a few times in the last 16 years. Um, so it's going to happen. Um, I do think there's things that are that are changing. You, you guys and the weather experts probably know more about much more about this than I do. I I've kind of been following this past year. I started following much more of the um, La Nina and El Nino effects, and then the neutrality part of that, and that seems to have a significant impact, particularly this past winter on on anything west. Um, Western U.S. Uh, or Western North America, particularly in the mountain areas. But I don't know. That's you know. That's just kind of again. I'm as opposed to you guys. I'm I'm not a meteorologist, uh, nor do I portray one in any um, 
TV or other um, entertainment event as well. So, uh, Martin, I, I know you mentioned a little bit about robotics. Are you seeing that as a trend uh, in the snow and ice industry? I, I think you mentioned that when you were talking about, um, you know, the symposium and, and what you can find on the floor, on, on the trade show floor. Um, is that something that's coming around? Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, so last year in Milwaukee, the symposium, I had several people and most inquiries that people came to the SIMA booth on the show floor and said, where are the robotics companies? And there were a few there and there's going to be a few there this year as well, too. And, you know, they're looking for them to kind of help the, um, uh, you know, help solve some of the uh, the personnel issues to not have to have people always out in the field in some of the worst weather conditions when it's 15 degrees and blowing you know, snow and freezing or freezing rain that they always have to have people out there can, what can machines do that are, um, you know, operated, you know, themselves without, you know, manual labor with them. And it absolutely is growing. Um, I think it still probably has, um, uh, you know, some ways to go. Um, I do know some of the challenges they're working on kind of like similar to like, you know, autos as well as just the charging of them how do you keep them charged how do you uh, you know how do you prevent things like i don't know i guess even theft and vandalism to them as well too and um, what happens when you hit obstacles and but there, there's certainly um uh some it, it's certainly growing um you know you kind of see it on this we've seen a lot like in areas such as um military bases where there you need to have high security clearance um, this resolves some of those issues with your personnel, and it also think of all um, a lot of uh, you know cities and that have um, or municipalities that have large stretches of paved uh, trails, um, you know, walking, hiking, biking trails that um, you know can can span you know you know hundred thousands of miles. If you can get a robotic machine out there, where someone is really kind of controlling it or seeing it being controlled from a uh, in indoors in a controlled environment could be really you know highly valuable. So it's out there, and I think there's you'll, you'll see some stuff on the show floor. Oh, we got we got self driving cars. So who says we can't have a self driving plow? I guess. Yeah, hey, you know, there's mowers out there. I've seen them actually in my local community. Yeah, I was just going to say that we had a uh, a guest on. Um, I think it was Zach Strauser, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah who, who was on our um, on our show and. And he had mentioned about the robotics in in lawn mowing, and I was like, "Well, how how, how does that work?" But <laughs> I guess I guess it somehow might. I think he said it gets programmed by a user first, and then it remembers the lines that it used to mow that piece of property, and then it basically you say go, and you start it where you started it before, and it does its thing. And but I I, I have to say I. I'm with you. How how do you how do you account for those obstacles that might get in a way? What if a kid runs through the yard when this mower is going? You know that 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 sounds pretty dangerous, but I'm sure there's some sort of um, uh, technology on it. Video cameras and sensors, yeah. right? Yeah, those are the questions to be asked. I think they're continuing to work on the the tech behind them, but that's exactly it, though. He's he's got it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool. And especially with seeing all the news about artificial intelligence and and 
chat GPT and all this kind of stuff out there um, with the AI. Um, do you see that usage in the industry in the future at all? Yeah, I mean, this, I think it's first being developed in the software companies. They're using artificial intelligence in some manner, um, you know, whether it's, you know, responding to, you know, immediate chats that customers have or bring in how you can auto, you know, auto chat back or converse back to, um, to ways that, you know, it kind of all depends on like, how do you define artificial intelligence and just way that things are, can be, um, auto-generated, um, you know, proposals or presentations as well too, is a, it's a form of artificial intelligence, but, you know, I, you know, my guess is more people are probably using it in ways that, um, they probably aren't even realizing it quite yet. Uh, um, I just hadn't heard an example and, you know, I use some of this, um, on just typing out, um, you know, writing something on correct through some of the Google products that automated and Grammarly is another one I use, but someone might just tell me that they started using it with, um, emails that they put out. They just enter some things in the chat GPT. They're like, Oh, that sounds way better than the messages I send out to. So <laughs> Put copy paste, put an email, and they send that out to their, you know, their employees, their team. So there's ways even internally, not only not just the outward facing like our customers, but internally that people are probably already using artificial intelligence without really entirely knowing like, oh, I'm kind of. Um, um, so I do think things like that are going to um, are kind of changing right now. Like, again, things like that mean like how are proposals written, how are communications occurring between people and companies that are automate you know automated writing and i do think that artificial intelligence the next step beyond that is probably a bit beyond beyond me i'm not the ai sure. tech expert whatever but yeah, neither um, am I. <laughs> but uh yeah but you know it's certainly what's doing it's creating efficiencies creating incredible efficiencies and stuff but um i wonder where that leads though because if you have a program that's basically writing stuff for you yeah, you, you need the background education to kind of see what it wrote and understand. Like, hopefully people aren't less experienced then because they're it's using... not always right either, some of that stuff. You know that. I mean... Mm, yeah. Um, you have to still look at it and edit it and, and know your stuff. Right. Um, now, I haven't used it personally. I don't know if you use the, any of the program, uh, Brad, but... I've I've already seen stories on like Twitter and stuff. Um, there was there's a meteorologist in, in Charlotte I was reading about um, a, a television meteorologist and he did a chat GPT about himself and he said it was bad. It wasn't even close <laughs> to like where he grew up or where he got his first job. Uh, you know things like that. So I mean it's well it's a work in progress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, right. I, yeah. I mean it's yeah it's just like anything in, in, in the beginning. You know I'm sure it's a lot of a lot of sure. I just hope. I hope we look at it as a tool um, to improve rather than just to get things done. <laughs> yeah, you've probably seen some of the analogies to 2001 A Space Odyssey already. Like Hal right. is kind of... Hal, yeah, I remember that movie. Well, yeah, you start thinking of stuff like uh, Terminator movies with Sky Skynet and, oh, it's uh, it's aware of itself. And that, now what, would, what do we have going on here? I know we're going into uh, fantasy land, but even like Walleye, remember that movie or Wally or whatever. That yeah, word? it's not getting oh, yeah, too yeah. far away. All that, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you take that to like if you put that in our industry and just think of like 
you know, which ways can you, can you make a snow work more efficient? Is, can you, can you, there be tools right. that make routing much more efficient and will help operators say, Hey, actually, if you do this, you're immediately going to be more efficient on, uh, on your techniques on whether that's, um, you know, the back dragging or going right. from property to property to looking at certain properties where it's like, you're not moving, you know, the wind rowing, there's all sorts of different things like that, where maybe it, you know, it kind of comes into play where, um, automatic tips and developments are given in a training mechanism. You just trigger it a thought I had, you know, maybe we need to take a look at how, how AI is going to impact training. People are going to need immediate feedback. That, that sounds great. Like something to guide your, your, your operational strategy. Um, sounds like a really good invention. I, I think that's what you're going to be working on over the next <laughs> couple of years. Uh, working on uh, artificial intelligence suggestions for the snow and ice industry yeah. for, for operations and, and route planning. I, I like it. Yeah. Just seems like it's changing so fast though, technology. And, and, and like, I'm, I'm lost sometimes when this new stuff is even coming. Oh, out. stop being so old, Brad. Come on. I know that's the problem. I'm losing touch. <laughs> and I've just realized that over the last couple of years, it's like, it's moving faster than I could keep up with. And that sounds like something my parents would have told me 30 years ago, but now I understand. You're going to be sitting on a bench one day. Oh, I remember when I had to <laughs> type my own forecast. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even teach my kids to, to write cursive anymore how do, i mean i don't understand that <laughs> yeah how do you sign your name right yeah <laughs> well martin uh we talked a lot about the uh, sima and the symposium coming up here soon um do you have any questions for us no for us you kind of like um one last uh here's a shameless plug for you for um we continue to get interest in uh, we're doing a leadership forum. We call it. It's in August. Um, it's seventh and eighth in Florida. So you think, um, you know, Florida? That's where snow contractors go. Well, that's where they go in the summertime. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and so we're, we're going to be at Ponte Vedra Beach. Oh, uh, August in Florida. Vedra. Yeah. You know what's funny? We, we were there a couple of years ago, and I actually thought if, if you're on the ocean, I, I like. Yeah, that's true. You get the sea breeze. Yeah, the sea breeze really was more of a milding effect. I wouldn't go right. inland Florida as much, but uh, I think after kind of a long cold winter, you know, sometimes having some some hot weather felt good. We were in Austin, Texas last year for this leadership forum. Right, I, it was 100 degrees. When we were there. It was dry. I thought it was actually pretty nice. I as long as you stay in the shade. Right. I, thought it, I thought it was fun. If you were up there in the sun, it gets a little, then it got a little, you know, you need to get into some air conditioning relatively quickly. Otherwise you're going to overheat. But, you know, but, but, you know, the event, the leadership forum is really kind of meant for, it's like, we aren't going to talk about anything, the logistics of snow and ice. It's all going to be about leadership, company, culture, personal development, uh, work life balance. Um, how do I, you know, find ways to continue to improve myself. And if I improve myself, that's going to, improve my company and in, in, in ways to kind of continue to grow your business. And um, it's just a great group of people that we've had the last couple of years. And at the event, we have just high level speakers who are going to, um, you know, kind of lead the, you know, the, the discussion and the snow and ice conversations happen kind of in the, we talked about the dinners and the receptions at the bar and stuff like that afterwards, but, you know, really to talk about more about, um, you know, how to, you know, how to be different, how to differentiate yourself from going to get any, just gonna be a great way to kind of get away and stay at an amazing property, the the, the Pontevedra Inn, just outside of Jacksonville. So, um, 
there's there's information about the Snow and Ice Symposium and our leadership form, of course, at, at Sima.org. Great. Yeah. And again, I think that's going to about wrap it up here uh, for our podcast. Martin, thanks so much uh, for coming on the show once again. Yeah. Hey, Mike, Brad, thanks again for having me. Um, look forward to seeing you in June. It's going to be great. We'll catch up then. Always great to get the latest and greatest in the snow and ice industry. Though. Yeah, maybe next May we'll we'll have them on. We'll get we'll we'll get up for ready for the next Simon next uh, you know twenty twenty four. So as long, I'll be here, and as long as it's relevant and brings it to your listeners, absolutely. I th- I think podcasts are, are great. Actually, I've been listening to yours and a lot of others kind of over the last three four years, and really enjoy them. Great. Good to know. Well, thanks for that. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to plug our show. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so. Remember that the Snow and Ice Symposium, the Simon Snow and Ice Symposium, is coming up here June 13th through 16th in Hartford, Connecticut at the Connecticut Convention Center. Weatherworks, our company, our parent company, will be at booth 724. Um, You can meet our CEO, Frank Lombardo, there, along with Kevin Hoppler, uh, Rob Real, and Chelsea. They'll all be there to talk about our weather services. We're also sponsoring the Snack and Chat event at SIMA, so that's on the 14th. Be sure to visit that. There's so many other activities there uh, for snow and ice professionals, so please come out to the show. Uh, It's always a great time. But that's it for our podcast. And remember, we'll have a new one every two weeks. So come back and listen again. And remember, weatherworksinc.com. That's where to find all the information you need to know about Weatherworks and also social media. Just search Weatherworks. You'll find us on just about every platform. That's it for this week's show. So thanks again for listening, everyone. 